Are you facing challenges as a parent working remotely? Maybe communication with the people you share a home with could be better? Or maybe you're personally struggling to find motivation to do, well, anything. If you're facing these or other challenges, you might try to fix them the same way you would any other problem, with tools. In this mini-series of Modus Presents, we hope to equip you with a few of those tools. I'm Ben Ryland, and on today's episode of Modus Presents Mental Health While Remote, I'm speaking with Jeff Ryland, a child and family therapist who also teaches as an adjunct faculty member at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, and happens to be my father. So you're a child and family therapist. Where are you seeing people need help most? You know, I think that this has just been a huge adjustment. And I'm not saying anything that that people can't relate to. I think that families are really reeling from, from this this something they didn't expect to happen. None of us love change in this this kind of fashion. And I really think that it's been difficult for people to adapt to suddenly their daily routines being thrown off, whether they're not going to work or their kids aren't going to school or everybody is in very close quarters in a small house or, or just they just don't get to see other people. So they're not getting a break from one another. I think that's probably been the biggest uh, challenge that people are struggling with. They're, they're spending more time with people they love or they, they are in relationship with, but they're not really in the same routine they were six weeks ago. Going into this, was there something that you were expecting to see more of? Like we mentioned, you know, this, this was unexpected, but is there something that, that you kind of felt like, oh, this is probably going to get brought up? You know, I, I think that I was anticipating people being more depressed and, and that may come. I, I'm not going to say that that's not a possibility, I've been really struck by how resilient uh, people are, and especially the families that I'm working with at finding creative ways to make use of their time. I I was expecting um, probably a higher level of people getting lost in their technologies. And I, I think that still happens to some extent, but I'm also hearing some of those same individuals are, are really seeing that as a potential problem and they're getting outside more. They're doing other kinds of things that are maybe more, uh, maybe a broader recreational set of, of interests that they can pursue given the limitations that we're all having. I mean, obviously they can't go to parties, but but they can go for hikes and, and they can get out on the river. So people are being resourceful in positive ways. That's, that's great to hear. So we're seeing a lot of states open up. Some of that is very slowly, you know, rolling out measures. Some of that is kind of more immediately just throwing the doors open. What would you suggest to families that are afraid of going back to work so soon? Uh, I think there are a lot of families that would, would love to go back to work, but they may not be able to. Uh, there are people who are working from home and they can continue to do that. They might have more flexibility in their careers. Some people are, are out of work and they're not going to be going back to work because their job is gone or because they uh, maybe work for a, a 
business that that doesn't have an opening right now i think that for example restaurants if, if they start to open slowly they may not need all their wait staff right away if they're only going to have a quarter of the tables open so there are just some challenges that people are facing with with their employment and what's going to happen uh, my suggestion for families if they're anxious about that is to continue what they're doing in terms of um, doing things as individuals or as family members going for those hikes uh, doing those uh, socially distancing activities that they can do and not putting themselves in harm's way it's almost like people are are stepping out on the ice and we don't want too many people in one place stepping out on the thin ice in case it cracks you know uh, we're all watching to see as different states open different parts of the country open it's going to be a several week delay to determine if if this is the right time or if we're moving too fast so for people that are anxious i think it makes sense to continue to to dig deep into developing rituals and and activities they can do with their families uh, at home and to continue to, to hear what other people are doing. One of the really interesting things that I've seen happen is people are sharing their strategies, whether it's through Facebook or word of mouth through family or whatever social media that people can access that they're, they're starting. Oh, that's a really good idea. I think I want to try that. Oh, that's a really cool thing you're doing with your kids. I want to do that. So I've seen an overabundance of sidewalk chalk art in, in, in the neighborhood that I live in. And I hear stories uh, from uh, whether it's patients or, or colleagues or, or friends or neighbors of all the fun things that they are doing with their kids, whether it's creating mazes or obstacle courses or having family Olympic events or craft projects. It, it's just really been interesting how people have looked at this as not necessarily an all bad situation but an opportunity to really do something different uh, to do something enjoyable or memorable um, when we were talking the other uh, day about this just as a kind of a, in some humor how cats and dogs might be interpreting or, or experiencing this and and dogs might be thinking that oh it's great that their masters are on vacation to spend time with them like this and cats are wondering what these people are here all the time doing i think that kids maybe really young kids may not understand what's going on but they surely are benefiting from their parents being more present and, and i have heard that from families that that boy dad's home a lot more or mom seems to have a lot more time to spend doing things even if it's sometimes helping with homework they're just enjoying those experiences uh, it, there are families certainly where it hasn't been quite so rosy if there are beneficiaries or cracks or challenges already existing in the family having more proximity with with family members and not having more skills or, or strategies for solving problems will probably make things worse and so we've seen more flare-ups with conflicts and disagreements and stress in families that's 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 not questioned and we know that that's happening also I was going to kind of ask what, what you might suggest to families who are itching to connect with other people, but uh, it seems like you kind of covered that. Do you have anything else to, to add in that uh, regard? Oh, sure. I, I think that lots of families can, and this is really one of the beauties of our, our current technology, that we now in this pandemic have so many different platforms for reaching out to people, even if we can't physically be there. Uh, certainly, we see people who are, you know, talking across fences or, you know, from across a yard in lawn chairs or, 
just hailing people from across the street, but I, I, with, with, with people that we're related to or people that we care about, we can now Zoom or Skype or Google, what is it called? Google chat or, or house hangouts. party or hangouts or oh my yeah. gosh, there's so many different ways that people connect that we can see people that we couldn't see uh, even 10, 15 years ago. And yeah, I think that that really speaks a lot to the, the benefits of technology that I think has really made this experience far more tolerable than if we didn't have technology. I mean, technology can have downside that we can get lost in it and, and never see daylight because we're always Netflixing or we're always playing a video game. But it also has really allowed us to connect to people on a regular basis that we don't often get a chance to see. Yeah, I've, I've definitely noticed that, um, you know, once, once you graduate from college, it's really easy to uh, just kind of like let a lot of ties that you have with friends that you're really close with kind of just uh, slip away. Um, and that's definitely something I've noticed, at least in my own personal life, is you know reconnecting with those people, just checking in, saying like, "Hey, you know, how's it going? I know things are crazy right now, but how are things going beforehand? And 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 what are you doing to cope? You know, let's hop on a video chat. Let's let's talk. Let's you know play a game together. So yeah, it's it's that's pretty uh it's pretty awesome in in a in a really weird way. It's 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 awesome that uh, we can be connected. I think that when people are anxious or when there's uncertainty, we tend to reach out to others to see how everybody else is doing too. I mean, we want to talk about our own experience, but we we are comforted by the fact that we're not alone. If we were the only ones experiencing this, it would probably feel really, really isolating. And I do think there are people that experience social isolation. If If this pandemic hadn't occurred, there still would have been people who are lonely. I think that for folks that were lonely going into this, they're probably lonelier now. Uh, there are probably people that because they aren't, especially extroverts perhaps, if they weren't, uh, if they were doing fine, just that lack of social connection, if that's something that's used, they're used to on a regular basis, they're not connecting as, as well or the same way. I, I do think that's had an impact. Um, my hope is it's survivable. Even some of my students at the university have talked about just missing that physical connection with their roommates or their friends or just getting a hug from, from a, a coworker, that those pieces just aren't there like they used to be. And it'll be interesting to see when this is over or when we get through the other side. I'm not sure it's going to be over if, if handshakes or hugs are going to be a thing of the past or we're going to be more hesitant to offer those things because we still don't have all the information we need to know when it's safe. Yeah, that, that raises a really, a really good question. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty about what comes next. Uh, do you have any thoughts on how families can prepare for the new normal? Uh, I think that right now, the, the very best thing that, that families can do is embrace the present moment and because this is the present normal. And, and there are some good things about it. Like I mentioned, if they are, investing quality time with one another right now if their bedtime rituals were a little bit different because they don't have to be in school the next day if mom and dad don't have to race off to work uh, and maybe kids are seeing their parents working from home if they're lucky enough to still have jobs that they're wondering why mom and dad are still in their pajamas at 10 o'clock in the morning i mean i think there are some elements to this that are, are for sure going to be memorable and not all in negative ways um, but i i think that I think the realization that the change is the norm 
you know, we, we talk about things going back to the way they used to be. And, and no time in history have we ever gone back to the way it used to be because it's always evolving. And, and I think that we can, we can uh, kind of romanticize about a past, but and people of my generation might romanticize about the 1950s, which weren't all that great for everybody, just for a certain group of people. And so I think we need to kind of think about the present as the, that this is the norm for now. And certainly we're going to be more mindful of relationships and viruses for the foreseeable future. But I also think that human beings tend to revert to some, some place that they're comfortable with. And so I I expect that we'll see less social distancing and, and more gatherings and, and my hope is that we are able as a community or as a society to develop the, the safety mechanisms to help prevent the spread of this virus further. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. Um, we, we are resilient, um, but we, we might not always make the right choices, especially in groups. So yeah, a high bar to, to set hopes on. I think about when you think about groups too, there's a lot, this is a time of year when there's a lot of events going on. We've got lots of graduations from high school and college and, and I've had a lot of conversations with people about how, how is that going to be different? And it certainly is going to be different. Um, many families are being creative about how they're acknowledging these major milestones in, in their family members' lives, whether it is graduation or even a wedding or a birthday. And, and so th- those, are, those are significant changes that normally people would get together. And now they're doing this much like you and I right now, we're on Zoom. And sometimes people can do that, they can afford that. Um, and I think that there will be graduation parties that are done really creatively through Zoom or through Skype or some other platform that allows people to see one another or to celebrate that. I think the one ceremony or celebration that isn't going to be an easy one are funerals. And and many funerals have been postponed or delayed. And that is a celebration of a life that is a passing of of somebody who was dear to a group of people. And I know that that's a harder thing for people to look at. I mean, the fabric of our society has been turned upside down in all the ways that we celebrate and all the ways that we connect. And so the way we, we celebrate joyful events is different. The way we celebrate or acknowledge grieving experiences is different. There are just so many pieces to this that it's, it's almost impossible to get our heads wrapped around or think about it all at one time. Yeah. Again, I guess that speaks to our resilience, right? The ability to to take technology and kind of reclaim what was and, and kind of make it new. Do you have any recommendations for people who are seeing conflict or difficulties uh, in their home just with, you know, relationships? You know, maybe their child is someone who's used to having more freedom and now that they're they're stuck together, they have to practice in a in a way that maybe they didn't have to before. Do you have any recommendations for for people who are looking for for help? Absolutely, and that's kind of what I do um, is help people with relationships. And I, I really feel blessed in that I have this this kind of a career. 
I think conversation starters, you can go out and spend a lot of money on cards that give you questions like, you know, if, if you were a superhero, what power would you like to have and, and what would you do? Or if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you go and who would you take with you? That kind of stuff. But those are really interesting questions that sometimes helps that sometimes help us to really illuminate what we value, what we believe, uh, what, 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 what our preferences are. And, and it's, you know, you ask a teenager, how is your day? They say, fine, you know, and, and then you're like pulling teeth to get them to talk. But if you, if you have these odd ball or these really intriguing questions, um, you know, what, would you rather this or that? You know, kind of forced choice and why. I think it really gets people talking because they're not, they're not, they have to own it. They just have to be thoughtful or creative about what, what what's interesting to me. What do I like or what do I want? So I think looking at conversation from a different point of view, I think having people even share with one another, what, what am I grateful for today? What was a high of today? What was a good thing that happened? What was a bad thing that happened for me? Not, not in the world, but just in my world, what was something that was a bummer? Like I went to work yesterday and of all things, the keyboard on my computer, the capital letter W would not work. I'm thinking I, I can't write, I can't type, I can't do anything. So I swapped my keyboard out with a, a keyboard that's in a room that's not being used right now. I thought I was pretty creative. I felt pretty good about that. <laughs> but I think that just looking at how do we how do we just become resourceful and, and how do we problem solve? But some things that that parents and kids can do, uh, even friends can do, uh, they can um, communicate with each other differently to send a, a letter and to mail it uh, in, into the U.S. Postal Service or to send an email, the new snail mail to, to elderly relatives, people that may not have the same access to technology uh, to get involved in maybe um, sending pictures of of things that that they take pictures of in their yard, how things are growing or what they notice in their environment that's interesting. Uh, I think doing service for others, family members or uh, individuals helping out in their neighborhood, uh, whether it's raking leaves, getting ready for spring or helping clean out a garage, things that people can do for others actually helps draw people together. And it also makes us feel good about ourselves. One thing that we know, it's a great strategy for for, for kind of staving off depression is to help other people. You kind of get out of your own your own head and do things for other people. It actually makes you feel good about yourself. And so I, I think that there are a lot of things that people can do during this time. My favorite recommendation is to have people make a bucket list of things they want to do. And and it's not, you know, go to a baseball game because that's not going to happen right now. But it might be try to hit all the the state parks uh, for a hike. Or it might be to uh, go on that bike ride that, that you've been wanting to do, but you haven't got the tires pumped up yet you know, for the last three years. So it's, it's looking at you know, what are the things we can do that we have always wanted to do, but we just haven't taken the time. What are those things that, that we want to work on in the house? What are the projects? we could finish. So I think there's lots of possibilities, uh, but I'm not really, every family's different. So you can't say just do these 10 things, you'll be fine. Everybody's got their own set of uh, abilities, their own resources, their own location. So you can't just give everybody a a generic list. You've got to create your own. So build a list. What are the things that you want to do? And then set about doing them. One of the things I've noticed is there are some great dads out there who are making movies with their kids or 
uh, moms out there who are, you know, taking crazy videos of their, of their children. Sometimes it goes as far as like they're scripting a, an action sequence or, you know, they're making a story and, and they're presenting it. And I was like, you know, this is all really cool. I don't know that I could have done this uh, if I had children. And it kind of, kind of made me wonder, you know, what, what it would have been like if this had happened in like 2009 and we were, we were all, you know, in the, in the, in the same house uh, together. I'm, I'm not sure how it would have worked out, honestly. I remember when you guys were young and I had the, I had a day off and I had, I had you three and, and I had two other kids that we, we decided to go on a hike uh, up to Perot State Park. And we made a movie going up and down and you all got to be the director for part of it. And it was just a way to kill time. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good working with kids one at a time. I can't imagine being a classroom teacher. And it was like a little intimidating to have five all at once for the whole day. But um, I think I think that it's it's fun to do those kind of things and to be creative. Um, I, I think families need to not look for perfection here, um, but rather just to enjoy the experience. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to have uh, we're going to have a seamless transition. We can have a seamless transition into this mess, and it's probably not going to be a seamless transition out of it. Um, I was at a conference call today, and one of my one of my colleagues said that. That he had been he had been reflecting on he's working from home, but he's not just working from home. He's working from home during a pandemic, and that's different. You know, families are doing things not not just during normal times. They're doing things during a pandemic, and so things aren't going to be always pretty and seamless. And kids are going to have. Um, they're going to lose control of their emotions and parents are sometimes going to lose control of their emotions because there's just a lot of stress with, with finances and trying to figure out when to go to the grocery store. When's the safest time to do that, you know, and worries maybe family members might have about their elderly parents or, or other people um, that they can't always be there for. So there's just a lot of things that are so different. Um, I, I think it's helpful for people to make sure they're getting decent sleep, to make sure they're eating as well as they're able to, and to make sure they're getting enough exercise. Kids especially thrive when they have routine, when they can wake up pretty much every day and know what's gonna happen. Not exactly where they're gonna go, what they're gonna do, but they can know that there's a meal time, there's an activity time, there's an outdoor time when the weather permits, there's a structure that they can count on. There are rituals around meals, there are rituals around bedtimes, um, whether it's storytelling, there are expectations of, of board games or card games or storytelling that's gonna, reading books that's gonna happen. There's just things that kids can like look forward to and knowing that those things are gonna happen. And I think to a lesser degree, Adults like their patterns too. They like to have their routines. They like to do things a certain way. And, and some of that's obviously got to change with this, this crisis. But, but finding routines that, that are healthy for us that we can stick to, I think, are really going to help us get through this. Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right. We aren't perfect uh, on, on even the best of days. So uh, I can't imagine perfection is, is abundant now. Do you have any suggested resources, any, anything that you would recommend to, to parents out there? I think it really depends on where people live uh, and, and finding out what are the local resources. I think simple is always best. Um, I, I'm, I've, as you know, I'm not a fan of spending a lot of money to have fun. I think that 
the joyful experiences don't have to cost much, if anything. Contrary to what a lot of teenagers and children might think that you need to spend money to have fun. But I think the best memories are the ones that we create and they're organic. They're not paid for necessarily. Um, and, and they're almost never related to something that's on, on screen. Uh, that's a, a movie or a TV program or something that, that I think that just finding out what's going on locally in the community, what's available, especially as things start to open back up, what are the things that we can do? Uh, and, and going from there, uh, every state's different. Every community's different. We are fortunate in our community that we have many places we can go for walks or hikes, and that's been nice, but not everybody has that uh, privilege or, or luxury. And so just finding out what's, what's, op- what's even an option that we can do, I think that's the first starting point beyond our own, what's in our own home. Thank you so much for all these insights. I, I hope that people find them helpful. Are there any questions that I didn't ask you? Uh, Is there anything that you'd like to say that I haven't prompted you on? Well, I I could be a pretty uh, long-winded storyteller, but I I really have been thinking a lot about how technology has made such a huge difference um, from the last pandemic. And we talked a little bit about that earlier, that... um, I, I've talked to a number of, of my teenagers and in in my work, and I just I ask them because they all have phones. And so how 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 long ago do you think phones were invented? And and they're teenagers, and they may not know this, so they they think 1990 for sure. That was 1990, but 1990 I think. I said a little bit earlier than that. Well, no earlier than 1950. I mean. They're, there had to be phones by 1950. And so they're kind of shocked to learn that phones were, were invented in 1876 by this guy named Alexander Graham Bell. And his first words were, were not very memorable. He said, Mr. Watson, please come here. I need you. I need to see you. I mean, not, not necessarily something that you would want to have recorded if you knew that that was going to be what would go into the history books. Certainly not something as profound as, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And so I, I really feel bad for, for Alexander Graham Bell for not thinking through what his first words would be. But I've given that a lot of thought in the last couple of months. And, and really, I, I think he had it right. It, because what he said was, come here. I need you. I miss you. I, 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 I wish we could be together. That's exactly the sentiment that we experience now. Um, and and this, this device that he invented has really allowed us to do that. In 1918, 102 years ago, there were only 10 million phones in this country for 100 million people. We now have like 400 and some million phones for 350 million people. We have more ways of connecting than we have people. And so we really are in a much better place, aside from the science of knowing more about viruses than we did in in 1918. But we can connect to people so much easier than we could so so long ago that I think we've got that advantage and we are certainly making use of it. And I really would encourage people to use technology, not just for distraction, for, for recreation, but for that... that intimacy for that connection to other people because really relationships really are probably the most important 
experience or or connection that we will ever form and it, it it's we take them for granted and i think in crises like this when there are so many things that we don't have we may not have that opportunity to go to work we may not have that opportunity to you know watch sports we may not have that opportunity to get together with maybe our, our casual friends, we are more limited to the people that we are in closer relationship with. And one of the things I was just thinking about recently, uh, a longitudinal study that's been conducted since I think it's the 1930s is done in Harvard. It's the longest study on happiness that we know of. And they've been studying this group of men and now their spouses for over 70 some years, looking at how they have evolved and what their health is like. And what they've concluded is that it's not their wealth. It's not, it's nothing that's material. It's the relationships that they have formed primarily with their family members, their community, their partners, that helps determine their health and their happiness. And and I just think it's fascinating that that thing that is so simple and, and that we all have and want takes a lot of work to maintain but we, we don't always appreciate it until we don't have that connection. And so it's been really interesting to see people connecting. I, I ran into a, a dad at a um, gas station and we were talking about family and he's got teenagers and they're not able to do any sports right now. And, and so he was really excited about the fact that they pulled up board games that they haven't played for years. Uh, and that's been, I mean, those are stories that I get here, I hear over and over. Um, and, and I think that, it's good to see that people are reconnecting and maybe appreciating how important those friendship connections or those intimate relationship connections are because they really are a cornerstone of our health and our happiness. And that concludes our latest episode of Modus Presents Mental Health While Remote. Thanks again to our guest, Jeff Ryland, for sharing insights on the show. And to those of you listening, thanks for tuning in liked what you listened to, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. And remember, we're going to get through this and we're going to get through it together.